Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 79 of A Play on Nerds. As always, I'm one of your co-hosts, Steve, and this guy is... Jarman! The other co-host. The other guy. And we're here to co-host the hell out of this. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who don't know, we seek to bring nerdy fun into your lives, one nerdy topic, film, TV show, or other at a time. Exactly. We're just two nerds who talk too much. Just sharing. And you get just to experience sharing a that. little too much most of the time. And what are we going to be talking about today, Steve? Today, in our continuing saga to get through the uh, theatrical releases of both Star Trek and The Muppets, we have decided to include... Uh, Follow That Bird, a Sesame Street film that was theatrically released uh, into the mix. In order still to technically a Muppet movie, right? Still technically a Muppet movie because all of the all everybody on Sesame Street is a Muppet. Yeah. Yeah. And if this um, is your first time listening to the show, uh, the reason we're doing this with those two film franchises, because Star Trek is my favorite film franchise or move or just franchise in general. Yeah. And Muppets is one of Steve's and favorite franchises. I'm a Muppets franchises. fanatic and freak. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so here we are. It's been going well. Our last Star Trek film was Star Trek Four: The Wrath of the Whales. And, um, <laughs> and so now we're doing Fall That Bird, The Wrath of Tears, because uh, it's such a sad movie. But we'll get to that later. He's not wrong. He's not wrong. <laughs> so what have you been up to since our last episode? Uh, nothing too crazy. Uh, I've got I've had a few I'm interviewing for a new team, like for a new job or new people are coming to work on your team. Uh, a, a new job. Mm. within the overall uh, like organization I work in, but under in a very different team. Okay. Gotcha. Uh, so I had one interview that was highly technical and that one did not go great. <laughs> like uh, technology technical, like having to know lots of specifics. No. So I'm interviewing for a QA position and a lot of it is, you know, how do you break down and figure out what's broken? Gotcha. How do you break down a situation? And really they're just trying to figure out how your brain works. Uh, and basically the assessment was that I was uh, just a little bit green, uh, but I did score a second interview with managers. Nice. So uh, we'll, we'll see how that goes. That, that's been my big week at work. And then today uh, we went, uh, Anna and I and the baby went out and met some of my buddies from work and went to a driving range. Oh, okay. For like golf? Yeah. Nice. Uh, and the last time, and I was thinking, the last time I went to a driving range was with you and your stepbrother, Peter, in Winter Park, Florida. Right behind your old house. At the Winter Park Pines Golf Course. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> See, I hate golf, but I love the driving range because it's just, just whack balls. It's fun. Yeah, it's absolutely. And, and oh, I sucked. But it's fun because, you know, the guy drives by in the cart picking up the golf balls and you try to hit them. You hit <laughs> he's got them, the cage on buy it. You a beer. And, you know, it's just <laughs> you make little games up and you just sort of take turns. And because I couldn't hit more than four or five before my hand just started hurting. I still have like a sore spot on my hand. Yeah, that's why they wear gloves, man. It, it can hurt. But yeah, so. That was a good time. And the closest thing to like real sports I've done in a very (laughs) long time. I'd love to go to a a baseball range as well sometime soon. Like a, what do they call it? 
a hitting hitting range. <laughs> what are those sports ball people call those things? Like a batting cages? Batting cages. There, there we you go. go. <laughs> those are fun too. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually been to a batting cage. I used to go because I was in Little League, and so we'd go, and they were scary at first because it's shooting shooting balls at you, so be yeah, careful. Just but right towards your chest. <laughs> yeah, but it's fun. It's a fun thing to do. Uh, but also, you had your birthday since oh, the last yeah, episode. I guess that did happen. Tell us about that. On July 9th. Um, I mean, normally I'm not big on parties and celebrations or anything like that, uh, but at the last minute, I sort of threw together a, a brunch, nice. lunch, midday drinking kind of thing. At a, a really good Mexican place called El Guapo's. Nice. <laughs> in a little community called Campbell just south of us. Uh, and invited a handful of people. And pretty much everyone that I wanted to show up showed up. That's always nice. Yeah. And it was a good crowd, a good group. And um, yeah, just a lot of fun and drank too much, too much for me, especially <laughs> for me too much. Uh, they have these things called beer garitas, which mm. are they take a blended margarita and then they dump... Uh, uh, corona into it like the full bottle face down jesus and as you drink into it the corona empties into it interesting uh so i had one of those that was a double and then two regulars then i had uh something called a birthday shot which was pink and delicious and then someone said do you want a shot and i said yeah i'll take a shot of tequila and came back with what was must have been a double or maybe even a triple Oh God! <laughs> of tequila, and that's how I ended my ended my afternoon was with like a, a just a huge shooter of tequila, and then you woke up the next day, <laughs> and then I went home. It was like four p.m. and I was really drunk, like four p.m. <laughs> Hoping you took an Uber or someone drove you. That's what wives are for. Ah, but yeah. she didn't have a baby with her. Wives can they? She doesn't have to carry the baby while she drives. <laughs> I thought it was always attached to her at all times. No, there's a seat, a special seat for <laughs> oh, just the okay. baby. Ah, I gotcha. It's the law, Jarman. <laughs> Click your baby or ticket your baby. <laughs> Click it or ticket. Uh, and what? So what, what have you been up to? Well, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, I went back to the gym for the first time in a while, and I did a leg day thing, and my legs feel like they're falling off, and I've. I walk like I've been riding a horse. That's just really terrible. Right. It's awful. Uh, but also, I saw Spider-Man Homecoming last night. Ooh, how was that? It was really good. I mean, obviously, it has like 93% good reviews on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but it's just really funny and fun and enjoyable. Like a, uh, I think the guy, Tom Holland, who plays Spider-Man, said it best. when he's like, if you took all the Spider-Man aspects out of the story, it would still be a really fun high school comedy. Right. And it really was. So... It has it makes jokes about itself and it references old Spider-Man franchise stuff that people make fun of all the time. Uh, so it's just it's really worth seeing. It's a lot of fun, very lighthearted compared to a lot of the recent Marvel stuff. So I recommend it. No spoilers until Steve sees it at some point. Okay, good. Uh, also, my last audiobook came out officially on Audible.com. It's uh, Savage Surrender: A Direwolf's Mission by Ellis Lee, and it's all about. It's an ongoing story of all these uh, dire wolf brothers. They're basically they're shifters. They turn into wolves and they're all real sexy and <laughs> attractive and they find their female mates and it's romance and, and thrills. And uh, most of the books are action. So it's like uh, intrigue and action and solving a mystery of some sort. And then there's like, you know, two love scenes throughout the book, which makes it a romance novel. But uh, there's just a lot of fun. So if you look up my name, Jarman Day Bond Audible, you'll find Bam. this is book three in the series. So check it out. Did you do the other two books? 
Yeah, I did the other two books as oh, well. Okay. And then, so this is the beginning uh, of a franchise is what you're saying. Yeah, like there's I think five books in the series. They were written a while ago, but now she's doing all the audiobooks. So I'm doing her whole audiobook series. Oh, um, that's cool. Yeah, and I did for another author too called Carrie Lake. Uh, well, I only did book one of her series so far, but hers is also about shifters that, you know, have sex with humans. Yeah, shifter uh, <laughs> sex. <laughs> so not for the kids, but it's good no, no, for, no. Uh, some for the steamy teens. moments. That's who it's for is teenagers. The teenagers, of course. I just did a recording for a WWE uh, supplement infomercial that's going to be coming out maybe sometime in the next year, but has WWE superstars endorsing it. So I'll have my voice on there for that at like three o'clock in the morning when you can't sleep. That's awesome. Well, make sure that I get to see it. If you're cool now, like I basically am screaming at the microphone. It's ridiculous. Hey, someone has Um, to scream at the microphone. (laughs) But it's a lot of fun. Why not Jarman? Exactly. So that's been my week and a half, two weeks since our last episode. But uh, I think that takes us to some nerdy news. Nerdy news. Nerdy news. It's time for nerdy news. What you got for us, Steve? Uh, so as today's uh, segment is uh, on follow that bird, I've decided to look for some animal news and bird news. Uh, And this one, I'm just going to call Gone to the Birds. Um, (laughs) And uh, unfortunately, uh, the study is back in of 227,600 species of of animals over the Mm -hmm. earth. And they looked at data back as far as 1909 until current. Uh, And as it turns out, uh, we're, we're pretty much right just in the middle of the sixth great extinction. Like we're about to become extinct? We're right in the middle of it. No, just everything else. Just everything that's not us. Oh. Uh, yeah, we're right in the middle of it. Um, there have been, uh, according to, to you know, fossil records and stuff, due to ice ages and, you know, meteors and those sort of, what they can theorize, there have been five other major extinction level events on Earth since the beginning. Right. Uh, and we're sort of in the middle of, but the, this extinction event is us. Uh, because they're looking at animals and how much reduced territory they have. And let's see, for a hundred uh, on that list of twenty-seven thousand, for a hundred and seventy-seven mammals, um, they they looked through all this data and found that most of them are living on uh, like twenty percent of their original land or less. Jeez, than where they used to actually roam. And they're claiming that will affect the entire ecosystem down to us, basically. Um, yeah, basically, they're talking about how really the ones that in this part in this stage are going to get hit the highest hardest are the vertebrates. Which are, are us. <laughs> Which are us. And birds and fish uh, and everything really that's developed. Um, now this is when they're going to take the biggest hit. Yeah. That's pretty terrifying. And then that goes along with, I think, a New York Magazine article that came out recently talking about how the bleakest reports are really accurate that we're not going to last 100 years because of climate change. Yeah. Uh, but then immediately, I think a New York Times or someone else, like with a bunch of scientists, like like reacted to that article and said it was basically doom porn. And um, they said people who are saying we have no hope are just as damaging to climate change as people who don't believe in climate change mm-hmm. because people are like, oh, we don't have any hope. Let's just not do anything about it. You know, it's like, well, that's just as damaging as people saying there's no such thing as climate change. And yeah. they said there is hope. And a lot of those, those reports were overblown and we can make a difference. It's just it really does. It is pretty scary right now and pretty bad. But. I think we're all going to die. Uh, and then they've got some fun numbers in the, this article. Mm. Uh, so uh, there are tw- uh, fewer than 20,000 lions left in the wild. 
Mm. Less than 7,000 cheetahs. Wow. There are only uh, estimated 500 to 1,000 giant pandas. Mm-hmm. And only 250 Sumatran rhin- rhinos are left. Well, screw those rhinos. I mean. S- Sumatra? Where is that even? <laughs> that's made up. Um, but yeah, so it's just some fun fun facts, some fun nerd news. Oh, that's, that's really bleak. Birds. It's bleak and sad. Follow that bird. <laughs> Well, on some more happy uh, science news, uh, we had a breakthrough. Well, we as human race did, but the Chinese researchers have successfully transmitted quantum entangled particles from a station on Earth to a satellite orbiting far overhead. So if you've been following the science of quantum particles, it's pretty weird stuff. Basically, that uh, they have like somehow these two entangled photons are quantum entangled together, no matter how far away they are from each other. And if you do something to one, the same thing happens to the other one, even if it's way somewhere else. And this is the farthest they've ever done that. It's 300 miles from Earth, uh, this mountaintop in Nepal, to a satellite um, in space. And basically what they're doing with this technology is they eventually will be able to transmit transmit information through these photons instantaneously. Uh, And they're calling it teleportation, but it's not really that. It's basically... Uh, just entanglement. They then they have no idea how entanglement works or why it works. It's a complete mystery, but they're trying to use it to their advantage. Where eventually, you'd be able to set like if you send an email, you basically are writing an email on your keyboard. It's like the equivalent of a keyboard somewhere else, typing it at the exact same time. Right. Um, so it'd be instantaneous uh, transformation or uh, transmit of, in- of in- information, and it can't be hacked or in you know intercepted because it's just it's being yeah. you know entangled. Somehow through space. Uh, so, if anyone wants more information on this, uh, they can read the second, the, the second, third, and fourth book in the Ender's Game series. Oh, really? Uh, where Orson Scott Card talks about friggin' all of this like thirty years ago. That's crazy. Uh, it's called the Ansible Instantaneous uh, Data Transmission, and it's called Philotic Entanglement. Hmm. In his he book, must be reading about in stuff deta- back then. Oh my gosh! Either that or yeah. Or he's psychic. <laughs> I mean, you know, what uh, Orson Welles from the Earth to the Moon basically all yeah. came true at some point. A lot of the Star Trek stuff with the communicators and the yeah. iPads so and all that stuff. A, you know, it happens. Yeah, but um, it's pretty crazy future stuff. Yeah, we're in the future, maybe. And unless the whole world goes extinct, we might be able to use it at some point. I just want to know where my Jetsons house is. And our flying cars. Where is my Jetsons house? Where is my robot slave? I mean, what? That's right. Rosie. Rosie the Robot, where is she? <laughs> you know she was a sex bot for George, too. Oh, yeah. Hey, Mr. J. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> well, good times. Good times. <laughs> Somehow spun off into robot sex. Yep. It's, I mean, normally, that's how it goes. That's true. That is true. I can't look at the rocket launch trophy wives of the astronauts and i won't listen to their words because i like birds so uh before we get into our main segment uh, Mm -hmm. i have some bird trivia for you oh to see if you can uh, maybe earn a few points before we start the main segment i like it and for those of you who are listening to our show live last time, which is impossible, by the way. We had a trivia about whales, and I did the best I've ever done before. But you did we very well. We lost the recording of it, so you guys didn't hear that. <laughs> now, no one believe me. All right, you ready? Uh, ready as I'll ever be. All right. What bird is the international symbol 
of happiness. Of happiness. Um, maybe a duckling? No, the bluebird. That was supposed to be your easy one. What? But how is that? Because happy, it's in blue. the movie, he's the bluebird of happiness. Oh, Jesus. Come on. I thought they were being ironic. I tried real hard on this one. <laughs> All right. You get nothing for that. You get nothing. Nope. No, of course not. Okay. <laughs> All right. Emperor, Rock Hopper. I'm Doc Hopper. And Jackass are all types of what bird? Penguins. Penguins. Yeah, there you go. I only knew because of Emperor. <laughs> I never heard of the other ones. All right. What was Long John Silver's parrot's name? Hmm. Queequeg. No. Captain oh, Flint. I think Queequeg is from like Moby Dick or something. That sounds right. <laughs> All right. What bird is the fastest animal on two legs? The Roadrunner? No. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like your Looney Tunes logic, though. Yeah. I mean, no, come the, on. The ostrich. There must have been a reason why they used the Roadrunner for that, so I thought. All right. What flightless extinct bird has the Latin named Didus Ineptus? The Dodo? The Dodo bird. <laughs> like the family in the movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, what bird is the only creature that has legs but cannot walk on them? Has legs but cannot walk on them. Interesting. I'm trying to think of any bird that I'd never seen walking before. How would it ever stop? You would have to fly all the time or just sit on the water. You're not, I mean, you're. Hmm. Maybe you're in, uh, right, you're in the right place mentally. A herring? No. It hmm. is a hummingbird. Ah! Oh, you, were right, the, you were very much in the right mental space. Right, though. the fly all the time thing. Right, right. You, I, I thought you were going to get it. Damn. That's close. All right. So, out of six questions, you got two. I think a herring is a fish. I meant to say heron. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. A herring is a fish. <laughs> oh, boy. Two well, out of what? I don't, two out of five, six. Two six. out of six. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Uh, all right. Well, that gets us into our main segment, Follow That Bird. <laughs> Fantastic. Easy going. We'll laugh our cares away on this easy-going, easy-going day. We're never in a hurry, got no time to worry. Oh, this movie. This movie kills me. Well, I, this is one you grew up with, right? Yeah, this is the one I've seen probably a thousand times when I was a kid. Yeah. I had a recorded VHS cassette. That had said fall that bird and Sharpie on top of it. And I watched it a million times. Oh, my gosh. I watched mine a million and a half times. Oh, yeah. And just like seeing. But seeing an HD was the weirdest part for me. See, like a nice copy of it. Yeah. Like it was yeah. so clear and pristine and looked like so much newer. And in your memory, it's all blurry different. and there's commercial breaks, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but seeing the opening scene with the flag with the. Uh, uh, Oscar the Grouch and like singing that song. Oh, I was the like, Grouch National Anthem. It yeah. makes me so happy. I sing along every time. Ladies and gentlemen, would you please rise for the Grouch Anthem? No, no, no. With the Grouch Anthem, you stay sitting down. Down in front there. 
Now brace yourself, I'm gonna sing. Grouches of the world unite. Stand up for your grouchly rights. Don't let the sunshine spoil your rain. I was smiling like an idiot throughout this whole movie. <laughs> um, okay, so as usual, let's uh, let's walk through the movie. Right. So uh, the movie opens up, as German said, with uh, Oscar the Grouch singing the Grouch's national anthem. For no real reason. Which you stay seated for. Yeah, you stay seated for it. Because uh, it's about not letting sunshine spoil your rain. Which is a great... Uh a uh, great quote. I like it's that such a, lot. a good song. Lots of good quotes. That song uh, in the middle. He does like a Lewis Black style rant. You know what's right with this world? Nothing. You know what really makes me hot under the collar? You name it. And the next time some goody two shoes smiles and tells you to have a nice day. You just remember. Don't let the sunshine spoil your rain. You know what gets me hot under the collar? You name it. <laughs> he, he popped up a lot during this movie, just randomly. Yeah. So then it starts on like a boardroom filled with birds, uh, the Feathered Friend Society. That's what it was. And they want to, they're finding poor birds that are living alone and want to get them families. Get them bird of other families. Birds. Uh, one thing I noticed about this scene this time that I've never noticed before, that's uh, like, I, I don't know, a subplot that just isn't in there. So when they start, there's a painting up on the wall. Mm-hmm. And it's a turkey kind of thing. And then you have the, the woman, the Madam Chair bird sitting at the head of the table. And then just <laughs> to her right is that bird is the bird that's in the portrait behind her. Huh? So he's but like the, the old the washed up chairman of the board. <laughs> Who's like they pushed aside or something. Who's pushed aside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a whole other movie right there. <laughs> right, right, right. But I was like, oh, my gosh, that's him. He's wearing the same outfit. Oh, my God. He got pushed out. <laughs> i'm sure it's what they were thinking yep um <laughs> but i wrote that was such a, a great simple premise that there's a big bird out there without a family and we're going to give him a family and that's what causes everything to happen and it's just it, i just loved how simple this movie was and just you could follow it so easily and so peaceful and pleasant and wonderful um so then <laughs> big, big bird is brought to their attention and his worker social worker miss finch goes and finds him a family and he goes to Ocean View, Illinois, which is just my favorite version of like an old school Muppet joke where they don't, a, you know, there's no Ocean View in Illinois, but it's just, and not everyone's going to get the joke, but they put it I in I didn't there even anyway. catch that. Yeah. <laughs> Ocean View, Illinois. Uh, <laughs> so he get he gets there, he rides on a plane uh, and he meets his family, the Dodos. Mm-hmm. Uh, which are extinct. Which are extinct as we just covered in our trivia. Uh, and over the course of weeks, he realizes that he doesn't like the dodos and he misses his f- friends and family on Sesame Street. So they really are. They're a terrible family. He decides to run away and walk back to Sesame Street. Forrest Gump style. Yep. So he's on the run. Miss Finch comes to get him. Uh, he gets on a series of adventures, ends up on a farm for a while. Meanwhile, the gang back in Sesame Street hears that he's gone missing and they decide they're going to go look for him. It's all over the news. So they split up into these like into these oddball teams. 
yeah. of random characters that you sometimes wouldn't see together otherwise and hit the road to look for Big Bird. And that's like the big adventure of the movie. In awesome cars. They're following that bird. And then you throw in some sleazy carnival guys who are looking to make a quick buck, uh, a daring Big Bird escape, and then everyone learning a real valuable lesson at the end. Exactly. And a lot of crying. Yeah. Um, so I just want to talk about the, the two connections, sort of weird connections I found in this film. Mm-hmm. So one is I looked up who played Mrs. Finch because I knew she wasn't one of the normal Muppet performers. That name, the voice sounded very familiar. Uh, and her name is Sally Kellerman. And I looked and she has just a laundry list of, of acting credits from forever. She's been in the biz forever. On screen? Yeah. Hmm. Like her first credit is 1957. Oh, but then I said to myself, you know what? She has enough credits. I can guarantee she's been on Star Trek at some point. And I was (laughs) right. Um, She was in, I believe, the second episode where no man has gone before. Yes, she was. She played Dr. Elizabeth Daner. Daner. Mm -hmm. And that was her. She played Miss Finch. I recognize her now. Yeah, she was hot. Hot stuff back then. Oh, yeah. And coincidentally, I'm just now watching all the Star Trek episodes with uh, my girlfriend from the beginning. And so we just saw this episode like a week and a half ago. Yeah. It's great. So she's, that's Miss Finch. Uh, I just thought that was a, a neat connection. That's awesome. Let's see the other one. And this was a very specific connection. So I've actually been re-listening to all of our old episodes. Oh, wow. I was listening to one or two here or there and then finally said, you know what? I might as well just not do it piecemeal. I might as well just go back to the beginning and, and listen through. Um, and so I just listened to our Gremlins 2 versus Critters 2 copycat, copycat cinema yeah. episode. And uh, there was a, a in this movie, a reference to that episode of, of our, our podcast. And here's what it is. So in Gremlins 2, in the middle, you know, there's that break where it looks like the Gremlins broke into the projection booth. Uh-huh. And there's this guy who's in the lobby who's like, we don't make these movies, mad. We just show them. Uh, he's an actor called Par- Paul Bartell, and he played the cook in the Grouchies, the the, the, the restaurant? restaurant they went to. He's the guy who's like loading lettuce into the cannon. That's, That's Paul so Bartell. <laughs> and so then here's the other thing. Critters 2, there is an actor named Eddie Deason who plays really a wormy guy and everything. He has a really kind of sharp voice and... Yeah. And glasses. Um, and he plays the voice of Donnie, the uh, the son Dodo. Oh, yeah. That voice is very recognizable too. in this movie. So this, you know, Fall That Bird had a connection to one of our episodes. specifically. <laughs> That's really And funny. I just thought that was great. He's like, where are we going? We at the airport? We at the airport? Yeah, yeah that guy. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I just thought that was a real neat connection. I'll use my imagination. I'm Donnie. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm Marie. (laughs) (laughs) I thought it was Donnie Marie Osmond. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. Obvious reference. Another really good reference is um, uh, Big Bird flies out to Ocean View, Illinois, and he is in the plane and he has a seat in first class and next to him is Radar, who has his own seat, which is a reference to whenever Carol Spinney, the guy who plays Big Bird, has to fly with the costume. He requires a second first class seat for the costume. Of course, it's gigantic. Right. right. Uh, <laughs> and, but then one thing I, I, I thought was cool about this, uh, I looked up the director mm-hmm. uh, of, of this movie and he's gone on to do some kind of big things. He's done. 
um, few episodes of like the Larry Sanders show and ER, um, Malcolm in the Middle, he did some good ones, uh, Parks and Rec. But then I looked and for The Office, he directed every one of my favorite episodes of The Office. Oh, wow. That's random. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ken Quapis. A weird name. Yeah, but he, but literally every uh, uh, sexual harassment, the booze cruise, casino night, gay witch hunt, the job, and the finale of the show are all this wow. guy. It's absolutely great. Well, it's very well directed. Like, it's so easy to follow and just, I don't know, it's just very cleanly made, like, even more so than the other Muppet movies we've watched. It's just very yeah. straightforward. I liked it. Yeah. Um, I like that throughout the movie, they poke fun at the, uh, is Snuffleupagus real or not? That's something I wanted to ask you about, because I didn't, you let me know about the whole thing of where there was an episode of Sesame Street where they finally meet Snuffleupagus and realize that he's real. Was that after this movie came out? Um, that I'm unsure. It was probably before, now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, but yeah, there was a big thing where it, that was the joke was that you didn't know if he was real or not. Um, but then basically there became this concern that, uh, nobody believed that Big Bird, that Snuffleupagus was real and they didn't want kids to think that no one would believe them. Right. And so they had to make Snuffleupagus real, but I just like that they poked fun at it. And even like, Snuffy, are you here? No, Big Bird, I'm in your imagination. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Just, just nice little moments like that. Um, and then. You know, of course, the run through the cornfield with the uh, airplane is a great, uh, was it South by Southwest reference? Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, just or a North lot by of, Northwest. North yeah. by the Northwest. There we go. Um, just a lot of fun. A lot of fun stuff throughout the entire film. And Mrs. Finch repeatedly throughout the film is like, you need to be with your own kind. Now, is, so is this like some serious racial allegory trying to play here kind of thing? Like how I don't I know. Do so I, I've got mixed. I've got mixed emotions about Miss Finch because you know she gets portrayed as the villain, and but she's doing a good thing. Yeah, you just think like that, that's like if you had a you're portraying a social worker as the villain, which you I could see ways how you could do that. But in this case, it's a homeless six year old who gets adopted and then runs away from home. Like she's needs to help. Right. Him. Like if anything, Miss <laughs> Finch is in the right. Yeah. And then when she finds out that he has like good good protectors on Sesame Street, she's like, okay, he's safe. I'll let him stay here. And so right, she's not and a bad person. And here's the other thing is that, um, you know, as far as Miss Finch knows, Big Bird's happy. She doesn't talk to Big Bird while he's with the Dodos. They don't communicate. He doesn't say, can I go back to Sesame Street? And see, she says no. Right. As far as he knows, he was with a perfectly happy family and then ran away. And she thinks something's wrong with him. So the fact that like she's the villain and the the antagonist for... We'll say the first two thirds of the film until the sleazy, um, like sideshow guys show up. Yeah, is it's just I think a little unfair and has always kind of struck me the wrong way, <laughs> which I never really thought about until I always I, I I almost had forgotten completely about Mrs. Finch and only remembered the sleazy guys from my childhood because I, I oh, think yeah. I never I think my childhood brain never really cared about her that much or thought of her as that scary, but they were just like evil, you know, and stupid, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. So that's the, the, I mean, of my whole childhood, I remember that the most, that scene where he's, they paint him blue to make him a sideshow and they, they, you know, capture him. Oh, he's yeah. trying to, he's trying to escape from Mrs. Finch and they said, Hey, you can, uh, hide in our hiding cage. He's like, Oh gee, I sure am a lucky bird. La 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 la. And then he gets in there and he's like, can I get out? And then they paint him blue and make him a sideshow and he sings the saddest song. 
in the entire world. <laughs> and then he has to have children save him. Friendly faces, a smile to greet me, or just a simple hello, how are you? Oh, without them, I'm so blue. There's only one thing that will do to make this heartache end to be back home again. I was weeping watching this last night. I was like, t- like crying, just tears coming out. And my girlfriend was asleep and she wakes up and she's like, hey, uh, can you do something? Give me a glass of water, whatever. And I was like, no, yeah, sure. Fine, I'll get you a glass of water. And she's like, what? are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, fine. Just go back to bed. Just go back to bed. It's so sad. <laughs> so, I was a mess. Yeah. I think it was just childhood memories coming back and like oh, remembering yeah. how like even the scene where he's just packing his bag when he's first leaving for the dodos. Oh, yeah. My brain remembered every item he put in that box. Oh, yeah, like his comb the, and the beach ball. Yeah, and, the beach ball at the end and it not fitting. And like, oh, my God, like this is giving weird sense memories. But so I'm completely biased. This movie could be crap and I wouldn't know because. Oh, no, this movie is absolutely great. OK, good. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, and, and there's just so many great running gags for the whole thing. Um, you know, the, the whole cookie monster slowly eating their car. <laughs> it was hilarious. As they're traveling. Yeah, Oscar just, you really get to see Oscar just be a, just a jerk in this yeah. movie. <laughs> a terrible restaurant's like, like my worst nightmare. Oh, man, Grouchies. I love it. It was Sarah Bernhardt as the, uh, or Sandra Bernhardt as the waitress. Candied clams with French dressing. French dressing. Cream of garlic soup with maraschino cherries. There's nothing here I could eat. Name your poison. Tonight's specials are roast beef. Butterscotch and Anne. What about my jello? Keep your shirt on. And I always wondered what happened to her because I remember her being a big thing in the 80s. So I looked her up on IMDb and apparently she became a high fashion model in her like 40s. Really strange because she's very weird. doesn't seem right, but okay. She's very odd looking. And then she now has been on a series of comedy TV shows as a guest. Like that's what she does now. But she's 62 years old now. Wow. There's your Sandra Bernhardt uh, trivia. And the other thing I've always loved about this movie is that it has what I would say is the most overall solid soundtrack. Yeah, I, I liked all the songs. Of any of the theatrical movies. There are a lot of the, you know, of the movies that I absolutely love, but there's always at least one song that I'm like, uh. Well, also what's great about this movie is that pretty much nearly all the songs, it doesn't stay with the uh, two people singing the song. Like it shows the whole cast singing the song in their different right. locations. I think at least two different songs did that. The Waylon Jennings song and uh, one one little star. Yeah, and the Waylon Jennings song. Um Ain't No Mountain Ain't No Road well, there to There ain't long. no mountain you can't climb. <laughs> but like just in the other movies, they would have stayed on them for like four or five minutes and it would have gotten boring and too long, overstayed its welcome. That was my problem with the other movies, is that the songs go on too long. But this one I felt like it just went naturally because they were moving back and forth, keeping you interested and having different voices and harmonies and that's why I wondered who wrote the songs. This one, do you know? No, a lot of these have different. Uh, Jeff Pennig and Jeff Harrington are, did a lot of them, but not even all of them. Like one little star is by a guy named Jeff Moss. Um, so there's not really standard songwriters for the movies. No, not that I can see. 
so uh, individually they each movie has different songwriters basically um there is one guy who uh let's see uh paul williams that name sounds familiar from last episodes um yeah he had a few like minor kind of hits in the 70s music wise but otherwise has done a ton of music for tv and film and did a lot of the music for the original muppets movies and tv show I didn't realize uh, Mommy Dodo was played by Lorraine Newman from Saturday Night Live. Yep. That's pretty cool. There's a lot of, like, good cameos and, and even, you know, people that have gone on to continue to do minor stuff. Uh, let's see. Well, that's a good transition there for cameos because we had Chevy Chase as a news reporter, which was oh fantastic. Now the weather. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. A beautiful day for neighbors. Would you be mine? Uh, John Candy plays the state trooper in a uh, not Joe funny role, which is Joe weird. Joe Flaherty, uh, who I will always know as the the dad on Freaks and Geeks, uh, oh, plays yeah. one of the Sleaze brothers. Dave Thomas, another great Canadian actor, plays the other Sleaze brother, and you would recognize him from something. There's they were always together and stuff too from SCTV. Yeah, um, Strange Brew, I think, was a movie that he did. Uh, very Canadian and all their stuff. All your favorite Sesame Street regular adult actors. Uh, and just, all, yeah, just a ton. You could see a marching band at one point. Big Bird's in a parade, basically, at one point. You could see the Count's, uh, the Count's awesome, sweet Count Von Count automobile. Oh, that was bad. Is that ever shown again or before? Probably at some point. I don't know well enough, actually. It was pretty awesome. And then, of course, the movie ends with a great daring escape scene where Big Bird has to jump from a moving vehicle. Yeah, that's been hard to shoot. Yeah, I mean, I just can't. That seems like a nightmare scenario. For that stuntman man, too. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I'm sure they had all sorts of safety gear and stuff that we couldn't see, but oh, my gosh, that looks so dangerous. Yeah. (laughs) I'm hoping they had wires and stuff they were able to edit out somehow, but there wasn't much much technology back then. Oh, no, everything's practical effects. Yeah. So I wrote down one of the saddest lines. There's so many sad parts of this movie, including that song. Uh, what's the star song was called? One little star. <laughs> but one line that was uh, he's writing back to Sesame Street and he's unhappy in the Dodo's house. And he ends his letter with he said, try to sound really positive about everything that was happening, even though it was really weird and boring for him. And he's like, I should be happy here. What's wrong with me? <laughs> I was yeah. like, oh, God, so sad. <laughs> It's so deep and sad at the same time. <sighs> sad things. Uh, this was uh, Jim Henson's last film performing as Kermit. Oh, wow. Did he pass away after this? Yeah. Uh, mind you, it was years after, but this was the last time on uh, in a movie. Mm. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, not on film. Sorry, in a film. Because he plays Kermit, the the news reporter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but he did guest spots as Kermit many, many times after this. Just the last time in a movie. Okay, here's one. Why does a chicken not cross the road? Because it's chicken. Get it? <laughs> oh, <clears throat> oh, uh, uh, hi-ho, Kermit the Frog here in Ocean View, Illinois, with the thank you note that Big Bird left saying he was running back to Sesame Street. And in, in recent news, I just recast uh, Kermit again, right? Yeah, Steve Whitmire's uh, out. He basically wasn't offered his job back by Disney. Do we know why? Who knows? Maybe they didn't want to pay him what he wanted. Maybe he wanted creative control that they didn't feel like they were willing to give up. 
Maybe you told me before, but I didn't remember that Disney owned uh, the Muppets now. Yeah, they do now. They own Henson Studios and everything? Yep. That just happened not too long ago. Shit. They own everything. (laughs) It's terrifying. Yeah, they really do. Um, But yeah, they just didn't offer him his job, from what I'm to understand. Yeah, even in my voice acting, like, uh, Facebook groups and stuff, they were lamenting him losing his, his job there, and they... We're saying, well, one door closes, another door opens. You know, it's just he's had that job for 27 years, apparently. Yeah. So it's that's crazy. Yeah. I mean, uh, the story that I always heard is that uh, Jim's wife, about two weeks after the uh, funeral, uh, shipped Steve, the Kermit puppet. Wow. Um, and he didn't touch it. He left it packed up and put it in uh, his closet for like six weeks or something like that. Um, and he tried to work on the voice, but but didn't want to put on the puppet. And he said that it took him going back and watching these old home movies that he had made when he first joined the Muppet Show. So like this behind the scenes kind of stuff. Oh, wow. Um, getting to watch Jim perform as Kermit. And there was this face that Jim always made when he was doing the Kermit voice. And Steve says that by finding that face, he was finally able to find his Kermit voice. Wow. And I'm sure fans would love to see those home movies. <laughs> oh, my gosh, they would. Absolutely, they would. That ever come out. Yeah, but then he did uh, performed uh, Kermit for uh, the Muppets tribute to Jim Henson was, I think, his first major performance as as Kermit. Hmm. And that was their way of saying Kermit's still here. Muppets aren't going anywhere. I hope that's still the case. But there are very few original creative forces around still. Very yeah, few. it's going to feel very different whatever happens next because oh, it's yeah. just had a, had a lot of misfires as of late. Yeah, I mean, even Sesame Street, uh, you know, they fired all of the real actors, all the like the human actors. Why? They didn't want to pay him. <sighs> Come on, Disney got a billions and billions That's of trillions of dollars. That's HBO for Sesame Street. Wow. I guess leased out from Disney. Uh no, that's a separate acquisition. Oh, okay. But it's still Muppets, right? Or Henson Studios. Uh except for Sesame Street is controlled by the children's television workshop, which then became the Sesame Workshop. Uh, okay. It's like a weird crossover, kind of like Marvel and Sony and the the way Fox I tried to think, and I was thinking about this earlier, is think of it like Star Trek, is that there's like all these different incarnations of Star Trek, and like you know Captain Janeway isn't an original Star Trek cast member, and Picard isn't a Voyager cast member, but they're still all Star Trek characters, and more so uh, the rights to television Star Trek is owned by CBS, and the movie rights are owned by Paramount. So right. it's like that's a kind of a similar thing, too, where it's like they have to always work with each other. Otherwise, they can say, screw you. You can't have that stuff in the movies, but we can have it on the TV show and it gets all complicated. Right. Well, anyways. Well, so what do we want to say about Follow That Bird in the end? Um, it is will always be one of my favorites, one of my most endearing. Uh, and, and, and honestly, as John said, one of the most touching of any of the 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 Jim Henson endeavors. It is. And and yes, it is more for kids, obviously, since it's a Sesame Street movie, not just not a Muppets movie, technically. But it's got a lot of funny moments for adults that kids are not going to understand. Um, it's it's it uh, it dates really well because there's not really any 80s specific humor in it, really. That's true. They stay um, away from that. Yeah, it's pretty timeless. Like it, uh, The story is pretty. I mean, the, the outfits, obviously, and the cars are very dated. But other than that, they don't say much. There's not many jokes dependent on the 80s. Right. And Waylon Jennings is great. I never thought I'd like country music, but I like him. Oh, it's a great little number. <laughs> it is a great little number. Uh, and I'm sure you'll hear some of it in this episode. Yeah. 
Um, but otherwise, th- that's my final thoughts. This is truly one of my favorites of everything. And it's something that I had, I remember having on a VHS. That w- This was the first film that my parents bought me on VHS. Like, bought me a real copy of. It's weird because it's one of the few movies I had that was recorded from television. Because most everything else we had just regular VHS cassettes. But they, this is one of the few movies I, I it's just recorded. Yeah. But we were in the VHS era still. We were. <laughs> So if you can't have time to watch it yourself, I understand because you're adults out there. Um, but uh, if you have kids, watch it with your kids. It's worth it. It's fun. Um, I think I'm going to reincarnate something uh, from as I've been listening to our old episodes. And that's sure. Uh, if, you just ha- if you haven't seen Fall That Bird, just go die. <laughs> just, uh, you just, know, just go, just go find a place and just go die. This is separate uh, from that, though, Steve, because I get how many people would not have seen this or heard of it even. Because if you haven't seen Follow That Bird, then you haven't lived either. So they should go see it. We give them time. They only have a couple months. Then if they don't still see it, they should go die. Months, though. Okay, you got two weeks. Two two weeks. You got two weeks to see Follow That Bird and then just go die. (laughs) Go jump in a hole (laughs) and die. All right. Well, let's follow that bird, folks. Follow that bird. Cause there ain't no mountain you can't climb If you hang on tight and just make up your mind Once you set your heart to moving on Son, there ain't no road too long Don't look back, don't you turn around Just keep your eye on where you're bound and you're bound to get from here to there Cause a dream can take you anywhere Whoa, take me to cookies Cause there ain't no mountain you can't climb If you hang on tight and just make up your mind And once you set your heart to moving on then there is no road too long, and you can count the telephone poles. One telephone pole, two telephone poles. Well, thanks for joining us for our big discussion of Follow That Bird in our continuing series of reviewing Star Trek and Muppet films. We hope you're enjoying it. We hope we're watching along. You should. You should and be. And if I, not, just go die. <laughs> I think we're moving on to some trailer reviews. Trailer reviews. Here to play on Nerds, we have developed an interesting rating system to bring to you our ideas on the trailers we're about to review. At the low, low end of the scale, we have Burn It, where we think you should find every copy you can get your hands on and throw it into a barrel fire. Kill it with fire. (laughs) And our next step is Drunk Watch, which means that, yeah, I'd watch this movie. It'd be entertaining if I was under the influence of some kind of substance of some kind. But if I was sober... Probably not going to check this thing out. Nope, not going to see it. Next, we've got We'll See, which is maybe we just don't know enough about this movie to tell what the hell it's going to be. Could be good, could be bad, not sure. Eh. And our next category would be Get the Couch Ready, which means I'm definitely going to check this movie out at home 
wouldn't necessarily pay the big bucks to see it in theaters, but I'm definitely going to watch it at home. So get that couch ready. After that, we have Take a Look, where we are recommending for you, our viewers and listeners, to check out this movie and check out the trailer and tell us what you think about it. We, we wanted to see what you guys think. It looks pretty good, but we're not quite sure yet. Yeah, take a look. Yeah. Let us know. And for our final and best category, we have Shut Up and Take My Money. Shut up and take my money. This looks so awesome, we're gonna see it. That's where we cannot wait to give Hollywood bigwigs all of the money that we have earned at work to go see a film for $47. We're so excited, we just have to go see it. We have, we don't have a choice. And that is our A Play on Nerds official copyrighted trademark system for rating our movie trailers. So, what'd you pick out for us this week? Uh, so this week, the movie I chose is called Geostorm. Whoa. Uh, and this <laughs> looks like a catastrophe. The Senate committee will now hear from Jacob Lawson, climate ISS chief coordinator. May the record reflect that he was nearly one hour late. Yeah. Sorry about that. I literally had to fly in from outer space. Thanks to the system of satellites. Natural disasters have become a thing of the past. We can control our weather. Mr. President, one of our thermospheric satellites malfunctioned over Afghanistan. So your proposal is what? We shut down all satellites. I don't need to remind all of you how many people died from catastrophic climate conditions. Make sure there's no further incidents. Are you going back up to space? I'm coming back. I promise. Have a safe trip, sir. Just don't touch anything. This is Mr. Jake Lawson. The Jake Lawson? You look much older than I would have thought. I mean, you look good. Am I getting fired? My access has been blocked. So satellite has a bad calm, that happens. Not a satellite, all of them. This wasn't a malfunction. It was intentional. There's potential for catastrophic weather events on a global scale. A geostorm. We have to shut the system down. The only one who has the kill codes is the president. I need your help. You're soliciting a secret service agent. Seriously? We're kidnapping the president in a self-driving cab. Jake, if you can't stop it, no one can. Come on, baby. You're committing treason. treason. Oh, yeah, I kidnapped the president. I've stolen state secrets. Yeah, anything I'm forgetting, honey? Honey. This looks like a movie where Gerard Butler plays a scientist, and this, the, the British guy that you know from everything also plays a scientist, <laughs> uh, and an executive couldn't decide what disaster movie they wanted to do, so they said, let's just do all of them. <laughs> Uh, and I think that the idea is that humans have basically figured out how to control the weather. Yep. But the satellites start breaking down and going haywire and causing this crazy weather of all different kinds all over the place. Um, so instead of just doing one different disaster, we get to do like 12 different disasters in this one film. Right. Uh, and and then they find out maybe it's something malicious, maybe it's something on purpose, and they've got to stop the satellites and go back into space. Oh, it looks so bad. So it looks so <laughs> astoundingly bad. I've heard that this movie has has been in production hell for like four years. That could be a rumor, but I've heard that's been the case. That it's been around in post production and reshoots and all this crap, 
and effects work for four years. <laughs> um, not when not a single thing of that surprises me upon seeing this trailer. Well, but here's the thing: if you did you watch if this, the trailer you watch have a lot of the president in it? Um, not a. I don't think I think you watched the first trailer because the first okay. trailer I saw I mean, like this was like a crappy ass boring uh, repeat of disaster porn movie. But then the second trailer I watched, it said trailer number two had a lot more comedy in it and it like made fun of itself a lot and kind of made a lot of actually fun, smart jokes and had a lot of them kidnapping the president so they can get the codes from him so they can restart the. Um, oh, no, that, that is the one I saw then. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, yeah, maybe more hopeful as more like if they don't take this too seriously, then it could be all right, because we've already seen so many disaster movies where they take themselves really seriously and it's just a bad movie. Um, it's only relying on the special effects, but they've got good actors. I mean, they got like the guy. Yeah, they from, do have a few. Uh, I, I forgot what movies that guy was in. The younger guy who's in the suit. Yeah, the British guy. He's in everything. But he's, he's younger. In everything. Who's in Across the Universe is probably the first big yeah. thing I know from. But he's a good actor, and then Gerard Butler can be a good actor, and uh, the guy playing the president, the Italian guy. Oh, I know <laughs> or, who you're oh, He's about. Cuban, actually. Sorry. Italiano. Uh, yeah, it's, I think if they don't take themselves seriously, if it sticks to that, if that's really what it is, not just a, the cut of the trailer, this would be pretty fun and ridiculous and lots of special effects and explosions. So I say Drunk Watch for me. Uh, yeah, I think I would give this a Drunk Watch, too. Oh well, I, 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 I like a, I I really do like just a good smash 'em up disaster film. I well, really do. I appreciate that. that like makes day sense after to tomorrow, and I just listened to our review on uh, Armageddon and Deep Impact. Oh yeah, perfect like, movies. You know, just just those good popcorn get to watch monuments be destroyed. This seems like that kind of run. Yeah, absolutely. And I could have a few beers and watch that. Well, I'm glad we agree. A drunk yeah, watch. There we go. Uh, so, Jaron, what's our next movie? So the one I brought to the table this week was uh, Annabelle Creation or Annabelle 2 or The Conjuring 15 or whatever you want to call it. But it's in the Conjuring universe. The Conjured Bell. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> and it's all about uh, the, the same uh, the doll that you saw in Annabelle, the movie where that's a haunted doll. And uh, this is the origin story of the doll and goes back to where somebody in uh, this family, their daughter dies and they think the spirit of their daughter is talking to them. And they think the spirit of the daughter wants to go into the doll, so they invite her to go to the doll, but they realize it's not actually her daughter. It's uh, a demon. Right. Naturally. Yeah. And then they open an, a girl's orphanage for some reason in their house to get to fill their, their home with some other voices. And the girls start being terrorized by this doll and the spirits and scary shit. This is our new orphanage. It's as big as a castle. Feel free to use the house as you see fit. Mrs. Mullins and I stay down here. Your rooms are upstairs. Locked. And it stays that way. You make me happy. You're the moon starter, aren't you? Can you help me? What do you need? Janice says she's seen your daughter. My daughter? 
has been dead for a very long time. She was taken from us at an early age. We prayed to see our beloved girl again. The contact started small. But then it wanted permission to move into a doll so that it could be with us forever. We said yes. Sister is coming after me. Who? An evil presence. It's because I'm the weakest. It's the doll. The devil. Annabelle. So what what would you think of the trailer? I don't care for any of these films. So Did you see any of them? Uh, no, but it's because I don't like ghost films in general. Oh, but see, that, that's a thing. Because ghosts aren't real. The thing is, all the Conjuring films are actually really well-made horror films, like beautiful cinematography, um, fantastic costumes. They're usually they're set in a period of some sort, like the 70s. This one looks like it's going to be in the 50s. Um, they're just really well-made, like dialogue that has funny moments, but also just takes, it's also really good at the serious dramatic moments. So they're just well-crafted movies, all by that David Wan, I think his name is. Um, he's the director and produce, he produced this one. So I love horror movies in general, no matter what they are. If they're stupid as hell, I still like them. But all the Conjuring movies so far have been actually legitimately scary and creepy and really well-made. So... I, I'd recommend you watch some of them. Just give them a chance, even though ghosts aren't real. But neither are dinosaurs, so you still watch Jurassic Park, jackass. No, dinosaurs are real. Well, not real anymore. <laughs> they don't exist. That doesn't mean they aren't real. They still continue to be real. Do you like superhero movies? We just went over this. I'm getting sick and tired of them. But you did like some of them. Before the 22nd one came out? Yes, sure. Well, there you go. They aren't real either. God damn it. <laughs> impeccable logic yeah impeccable <laughs> logic the difference is nobody out there is claiming that superman actually exists people claim superpowers exist yeah but those people are dumb and those people are generally regarded as insane whereas some people that believe in ghosts are considered highly believable so you can't really enjoy any scary movie because it's all based on premises that can't actually happen no ghost films i enjoy movies that i, I that's I enjoy the opposite of that. I enjoy horror films where the the premises absolutely can't be real. Well, that that's nobody the point. believes that gremlins actually exist. I enjoy the, gremlins. People believe ghosts yeah. exist. Who cares if people in the real world believe them or not? Like people could some crate crockpot out there could believe that gremlins are real, but that doesn't make the movie any worse. Right, but what would you just refer to him as? A crockpot, but who cares? Yeah, if, and that's if, what people if, believe if, in ghosts are, too. They're crockpots. But if idiots in the real world believe that ghosts are absolutely real, how does that affect the, the quality of this film? It doesn't. Because, uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? No, because shit like this feeds into that, feeds into this continuing ghosts are real because this is based off true events. That's how they pose these friggin films. <laughs> They're not made up for fun. These are based on true events. And that's what just rattles my cage. That just adds to that's the be uh, like if gremlins was like based on a true story. Gremlins. <laughs> like what? <laughs> exactly. It's bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. You can say anything's based off true events, though. 
Because it was based off events that happened, as in that these two oh, people... Oh, yeah, Gremlins is real in that Joe Dante got attacked by a cat once, sure. No, that these two in people... In that way, Gremlins are real. ...claim that they were uh, uh, helping people with their ghost problems. Whether or not the ghosts actually were there or not is up for discussion. Well, but in that's that why... case, they should have premised Ghostbusters with based on a true story. <laughs> But that's the, all they're doing. But that's not based helping off people real with people. their ghost problems. <laughs> they're not based off real people. <laughs> the original conjurings were based off real people that really were going houses to houses to help with ghost problems, supposedly. Well, yeah, it was this couple and they were they're like thirty thousand right. hours worth of recordings or something right. insane. And there's some interesting evidence there, and it's just it's a thing that may or may not be real. No but evidence. Evidence. You're already implying science just by using the word evidence, and there is no science here. Interesting stuff there, but stuff. I, I'll but whether or, use whether or not stuff. it's true or not. I've watched great movies about Bigfoot, which are fantastic, fun, funny, and also wait, like wait, wait. scary. What good Bigfoot movies come out? Oh, no, there's <laughs> actually one a different thing entirely. There's one I've great seen Bigfoot one movie. Um, it's made by the comedian um, uh, Bobcat Goldwaite. He's a great director now, actually. Okay. And he directed this Bigfoot horror film. It had a lot of comedy in it because it's, you know, he's a comedian, but he had legitimately freaky, scary, great moments, like great tension, great sound effects. So you were creeped out. And it was it's the best Bigfoot movie I've ever seen. See, in my is life. it bad that I have a harder time believing that a good Bigfoot movie exists than Bigfoot himself? <laughs> no, it's not bad. <laughs> That's what I'm having a harder suspension of disbelief with. <laughs> no, because I, I've watched really like bad on purpose Bigfoot movies. Those, those are great too. There's like they're some hilarious. Real bad ones. There's and they're, some they're real ba- bad ones. Yeah, and they're bad on purpose, and they're really funny and fun to watch. But the, his was actually legitimately funny. Like it was well-written and then also really freaking scary other points and it's just you're missing out on so much if you can't allow yourself to watch a movie but, that's but once again that 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 is my problem it is is the parents i just said is that all of these movies are based on the premise of based on true events i don't think this and one can that, say that at all that bugs the shit but the oh my gosh the whole animal thing the well, fact no, that you just told me about that it's really based off of a couple no, the, the first really went and tried the to first annabelle movie was based off an actual doll that they have and they claim that's the story that they got from that doll but this story is completely based off nothing it's just based it's a new like fictional story so if if they have the gall to say this is based off a true story i know for a fact that this is all information they got from nowhere all so, right but you get what i'm saying though right that, I that do. is the premise you don't of like these the idea that they're pushing forward events. this on the society and they're making people believe this right. stuff right i get that but I think it's a shame because there's so many filmmakers and artists who are working on these films that have nothing to do with whether people believe in this crap or not, who have made a quality film and you're just not going to watch it because you're pissed that it, some people might believe in ghosts. Yeah. <laughs> I don't believe in the genre. I just don't. Huh. It's interesting. I'm not, I'm not judging you for it. I'm just thinking you're missing out. That's all. No. Besides Ghost with Patrick Swayze, I haven't missed a thing. Yeah, you've missed good films that can be legitimately scary and are fun to watch. No. Yes. Incorrect. That is absolutely undeniably true. No. Name a good ghost film. The Conjuring. Nope. Yes. Ghosts are real. <laughs> it doesn't matter if ghosts are real or not. It's a good <laughs> film. So if no one in the real world believed that ghosts were real, or say you lived in Scandinavia where they are very skeptical and don't believe in much religion or ghosts or anything, um, and you'd feel more comfortable seeing this movie where you'd be like, oh, this is not really an epidemic. It's just some, an entertaining film. You would see it then? Yes. Interesting. Would you, how about this? Would you go see a film about creationism? Um, if it was... Like a fun blockbuster about creationism. 
yeah, like the show The Leftovers is very popular, and that's about um, uh, what do you call it? The Rapture. I don't believe The Rapture is real, but it's apparently a fantastic show, so I'll watch it. <laughs> if it's proselytizing, it's like if it's left behind, where it's basically written by someone who is purposely trying to convert people to their cause, and it's based off a very you know, it's not based, it's not for just entertainment. It's for another purpose, like trying to make people believe what it believes. Then, yeah, I have a problem with that. But like the leftovers has no intentions of, of converting anyone. It's just about entertainment and a good story. And it just so happens that the rapture is the purpose of that story. And it kind of deviates from there. But OK, so in that case, I put those two in the same category. If it's entertainment that does that accidentally and then someone who does it on purpose. I get no, just when things are posed as entertainment that people actually believe in kind of. Well, idiots are going to do that no matter what. Like, that could be about anything. But you don't have to be one of them. Yeah, but I'm not going to believe what's in the movie just because I'm watching it. I'm not an idiot. I know, but we're smarter than some people, Jarman. They're idiots out there. What I'm saying, no matter what kind of entertainment you have, if it's based off nothing or anything, some idiot out there will believe it's real. You can't help that. So, if you're not going to watch anything that you don't want people to believe is real because you don't want to support it, you can't watch anything. No, but we're not talking about something that's (laughs) believed by. By 0.001%, a huge part of the population believes ghosts are real with no real scientific backing of any sort. Sure. Probably based off their own personal experiences, which no one can actually uh, convince them of otherwise. But that's the same thing about religion. Everyone's like, the reason you can't argue with them is because, oh, I had a personal experience. Well, Well, I can't argue with their personal experience. I wasn't there. But can you possibly believe your personal experience was caused by something else? And they're like, no. And they're like, okay, well, I guess end of conversation. <laughs> That's about as far as you can usually go. Uh, but, uh, hey, I love that we had this conversation on the podcast. Yeah, it sucks. No, <laughs> no it's, it's terrible. great. It's we, terrible. We got some good, like... You're you're the worst. You're I'm just the, the worst. worst. <laughs> hey, I respect your viewpoint, and I understand where you're coming from, because you're an intelligent guy, and I get it. I just, I disagree with a little bit, because, like, I have the same... Uh, Similar kind of issue with my aunt and uncle. They they don't like watching any fantastical movie whatsoever because they think it's just ridiculous because it's not based off reality. And I'm like, you are missing out on such huge amounts of artistry and beautiful things that you're not going to be able to experience because you're not going to watch anything that is not like a story that could be told in real life. So like they wouldn't watch Lord of the Rings. They wouldn't watch, you know, any kind of fantasy or sci-fi movie whatsoever because they're like, eh, it, it couldn't really happen. So I don't want to watch it. And that's a more hardline view. It's like the extreme of, I think, where you're going. Uh, right. Where that's like just you're missing out on a lot. So that's where I worry, you know. See, I'm but, not missing out on that. I'm missing out on two to three movies every Halloween season. Which isn't that bad. That's all I'm missing out on by my by my stance. <laughs> which is probably true. You're right. <laughs> and the sequel to Ghost. Yeah. I will miss out on the sequel to Ghost. Are they doing that? I don't know. The only person that signed up is Whoopi Goldberg, so probably not. <laughs> and Patrick Swayze's actual ghost. That's right. Oh, God, that's terrible. Sam. Sam Wee. <laughs> <laughs> They're going to get his actual ghost to be in the movie because ghosts right. are real. Oh, God, they're not. But no, I don't that's believe ghosts When you're listening to our old episodes, oh, my God, that comes up so many times. I know. I love it. We did an episode on ghosts where I had uh, I named hauntings or band names. 
Huh. And you had to tell me which was which. And you're like, so wait, are these real ghosts? And I just said, German, I don't know how to answer that because there's no such thing as a real ghost. That was probably the first time that came and up. And you're like, no, let me clarify. <laughs> are these ghosts fictitious or not? <laughs> I just lost in German. I don't know what to tell you. All ghosts are fictitious ghosts. <laughs> I love how our trailer reviews became like 15 minutes because of this one conversation. <laughs> Oh, man. Uh, I went back and listened to that episode. I literally laughed for probably three minutes straight. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, Jarvis. <laughs> All ghosts are fictitious ghosts. <laughs> no, no, but is it a real ghost? No, just tell me, are these based off of real things? No, they're not. None of this is based off real things. <laughs> you know what I mean, Steve? Come on. <laughs> well, good trailer uh, reviews, Jared. Wait, so, what, uh, so what was your show, review for that one? Burn it. Uh, I'm no. I'm uh, once I'm going to go with my new my new rating, which is I wouldn't waste the match. <laughs> <laughs> I put a get the couch ready. Sons of bitches. <laughs> Sons of bitches. <laughs> oh my god! My face hurts. My face hurts. Oh, good talk. Good talk. Well, we got some time for some uh, radical recommends. Yeah, sure. I guess I can think of something. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. I don't think I said this in the podcast before because I was recommending it to somebody in real life. Uh-huh. I don't think I said it to you. Maybe I, if I did, let me know. But Misfits. Did I talk about Misfits on the podcast? Maybe. Yes, you did. It's like British superheroes and Ramsey Snow's in it, right? Right. I'm continuing to watch it and it's still hilarious, funny, gory, ridiculous. I still need subtitles, but I continue to recommend <laughs> it. It's a good thing to watch. Um, I haven't been able to watch because I've been watching Fear the Walking Dead uh, and Preacher is really good this season. Uh, Preacher is really funny. Uh, produced by Seth Rogen, uh, based off the graphic novel. Very bloody as well, uh, but really mm-hmm. funny, really good. Um, so, yeah, Preacher's great. Misfit's great. Uh, Fear the Walking Dead's gotten better. It's still just kind of mediocre okay. show. But, yeah. Uh, I guess for me, I guess I'll recommend an older show, too. Uh, it's on Netflix, Netflix original called Haters Back Off. Huh. And it's about a homeschooled superstar wannabe girl kind of living in her own alternate reality. Protected and, and overprotected by her family. And it is it is very cringy, but supremely great. Oh, I love cringy shit. My girlfriend if can't watch like it. She, cringy she, looks, stuff, she and, looks away from cringy stuff. And if you like if you hate sort of modern teenagers and YouTube startup, if you like you hate those things, Ugh. you will love this. Okay, what's it called again? It's I gotta watch it now. Haters back off. Haters back off. Because I hate those bastards. <laughs> um, it's and it's really great. I highly recommend it. Nice. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, well, we have a few uh, thanks to give out there uh one is robert reyes on twitter reacting to our star trek 4 episode he said eddie murphy choosing the golden child over star trek 4 is not a good thing in retrospect because <laughs> i golden child did not get i like the golden child enough it was all right but yeah he's right uh darren pickles uh first time commenter i think and a follower of our play on i think twitter. i would remember that name so yeah, yeah. or at darren 79 said even since hearing uh 
or ever since hearing a play on nerds uh, Star Trek three review, I saw this picture of Ahura with her Jerry curl hair and thought of the soul glow song. <laughs> well, what's great is he was commenting on a, a Trek core is a thing. They post out like a picture and you're supposed to put a caption on it of a Star Trek uh-huh. picture. And he wrote that on their on their message and like tagged us in it. So that's pretty funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> <Just so cool. laughs> she really does have Jerry curl. It's ridiculous. That's right. But uh, yeah, thanks guys for commenting. Oh, and, and I received yeah. a text from somebody. Oh, very nice. Uh, one of my ex coworkers, Andrew, uh, said, uh, "Steve, I just laughed so hard at your Randy Newman Star Wars music impersonation." <laughs> so thank nice. you, Andrew, for sharing that you enjoyed that. And then I, I think I said back to him, "I'm pretty sure that Randy Newman may be the most done impression on a play on nerds. It's done quite a bit." I feel like we have done Randy Newman at least a few times. And your uh, every every accent impersonation is the same uh, voice that you do a lot. <laughs> you got a friend in me. Take the apple from the you tree. You got a friend in me. Take a bite from the apple. <laughs> Don't know where this song is going yet. Gonna find it. Wrote this song. Make your soul bet. glow. <laughs> Make your soul shine through. That sounds really bad. That's a really bad Randy Newman. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's all we have here. It's a really bad Randy Newman. <laughs> well, folks, I think it's been a great episode. Yeah, that of was a good capper. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. It's been a good time. Uh, we're back on our normal schedule of every two weeks. We're hoping to keep it that way, keep it regular for you, all of our our, our great you know, listeners. Like your poop schedule, regular. Just like your poop schedule, every two weeks. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> be terrible. So keep coming back for nerdy fun. We'll keep providing you all the nerdy good times you're looking for. Thanks again, Internet. Stay dirty, my friends. If you'd like to find out more about us, you can always check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash a play on nerds or check us out on Twitter and Instagram at a play on nerds. We're also streaming live game content all the time on twitch.tv slash a play on nerds fun videos and stuff to check out youtube.com slash play on nerds. And also please subscribe to us on iTunes and leave a review if possible, because that lets us be easily searched in the iTunes search index for podcasts and that way we know if we stink exactly let us know if you hate us or you love us that's always great check us out at our website www.aplayonnerds.com where all this content can be found at the tip of your fingers and you can also always email us at anything at aplayonnerds.com and then check us out on i guess snapchat maybe <laughs> for dick or, or tumblr <laughs> tumblrs periscopes uh, you could also throw a rock at us with a message on it carrier pigeons we accept cassette tapes <laughs> i love cassette tapes we just want to hear from you yes please send us anything you like at any social media outlets however you do it check us out and how and how